The Call of Christ by Father George Calciu of Romania Homilies from the book Father George Calciu Interviews, Homilies, and Talks Published by St. Herman of Alaska Press Introduction to the Seven Homilies by Hieromonk Seraphim Rose Editor's Note In 1982, when Father George Calciu was still imprisoned in Romania, Father Seraphim Rose began to serialize Father George's seven homilies to the youth in the English-language journal he co-founded and edited, The Orthodox Word. He wrote the following as an introduction to the first installment, which was featured in issue number 102, the last issue of the journal published during his lifetime. In addition to publishing Father George's homilies, he often spoke to brothers and pilgrims of his monastery, the St. Herman of Alaska Monastery in Platina, California, about Father George's heroic witness of the Orthodox Christian faith, seeing in Father George's words a key message for our times. Father Seraphim writes, The Lenten sermons of Father George Calciu, originally addressed to Orthodox seminarians and students in Romania, are just as appropriate to the young people of America and the Western world in general. His words will strike a responsive chord in the heart of any young person who is awake or ready to awaken to the call of Christ to this corrupt generation of mankind. In the communist-dominated countries of the East, this call is jammed by the atheist control of education, the press, and all the means of public expression. In the West, there is little of such open persecution of faith in God, but the spiritual atmosphere is not as different from that of the East as it might seem. The same unbelief and unremitting worldliness are pounded into the heads and hearts of young people in the West in almost every public institution and medium. The same violence and rebellion disturb young souls that know no other way to express their need and frustration. And religion, although outwardly free, has become a private and subjective matter that does not move society as a whole and is generally seen by young people to have no particular power or significance in their lives. The name of Christ, unlike the situation in the East, can be freely pronounced, but most often it is associated with a religion of dead formalism, or at best, of subjective revivalism, and at worst of a self-centered exploitation of religious feeling. The Christ of Father George Calciu is quite different. He calls to the suffering, longing, but unfulfilled hearts of young people who would believe in the whole Christ of Orthodox faith if only they dared, or if only someone would dare to preach him to them, together with a call to Christian commitment and acceptance of the path to salvation which he has given us in his church. The voice of Father George is not for Romania only. What young man whose heart is burning with the love of Christ and his true church in America, or any other land where orthodoxy has taken root and begun to grow, will not be moved for his own people when he hears Father George say, Our people are like a ripe harvest, waiting to be gathered in for Christ. But where are the worthy harvesters? Be harvesters, be pastors, and above all, pray to God to give this nation good harvesters who will not love parents and children more than Christ. If in a single year we were to see 1,000 priests graduate, full of the spirit of sacrifice, priests as Christ would have them to be, then in less than one year the spiritual face of our country would be changed. 
One can only pray that the young Orthodox people of America and all those whose hearts are ripe for genuine Orthodoxy will pay heed to these messages from the suffering Orthodox soul under the atheist yoke and respond to them by shaking off the worldly enticements of these decadent times, and at last taking seriously the Orthodox faith, which is given too easily to us here, thus making the beginning of the genuine, committed Christianity which this land so desperately needs. May it be so. First Homily, The Call, March 8th. 1978. The time has come, young man, for you to hear a voice which has been calling you. It is a voice you have never heard before, or, perhaps, one you have heard but which you did not understand and to which you paid no heed. It is the voice of Jesus. Do not shudder, do not be amazed, and do not smile suspiciously, my young friend. The voice which calls you is not that of a dead man, but of one who has risen from the dead. He does not call out merely from history, but from the depths of your own inner being. The words written and read today from the New Testament issue out of depths within you, yet they are unknown to you. Perhaps you have been ashamed or afraid to delve inside yourself and discover them. You believe that within you lay a wild beast, a sepulcher of instincts from which there would rise frightful spirits of passions. You did not see the face of an angel and yet you are an angel. If this has never been told you before, Jesus is telling you now, and his testimony is true. No one has proved him a liar. What do you know of Christ, young man? If all you know is what they have taught you in atheism classes, you have been deprived, in bad faith, of a truth, of the only truth which can set you free. What do you know of the Church of Christ? If all you know can be reduced to the concepts of Giordano Bruno, about whom you have heard in classes of so-called scientific atheism, then you have been spitefully thwarted from experiencing the light of true culture and the brilliance of spirituality, which is the guarantee of human freedom. Friend, where did you ever hear these words? Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. If you have never heard these words, my friend, who hindered you, and with what right? Who prohibited you from knowing that there exists a better way, more just and simple than that on which you now wander blindly? Who has pulled the veil over your eyes so that you would not see the most wonderful light of the love proclaimed and lived by Jesus unto the final end? I have seen you on the street, my friend, young and handsome. And suddenly everything changes in you. Your face is disfigured. Your instincts break loose, ravaging your being in elemental fury, and you become violent. Where did you learn such violence, young man? From whom? I have seen your mother meek and tearful, and your father with his face stunned by pain, and I knew that you did not learn it from them. From where, then? Lend your ears and listen to the call of Jesus, the call of his church. Outside of her, your reckless violence will lead you to judgment and imprisonment, where your soul may be irrevocably destroyed. I have seen you in pain before the magistrates, where your actions have assumed horrible dimensions. I have seen you afraid, cynical, and full of bravado. All these attitudes showed me how near you are to the edge of destruction. And I ask myself once more, 
who bears the guilt for your fall. Come to the Church of Christ. Here only will you find consolation for your ravished soul. Only in the Church will you find certainty, because only in the Church will you hear the voice of Jesus saying meekly to you, Son, all your sins are forgiven. You have suffered much. Behold, I have made you whole. Go and sin no more. No one has ever said such words as these to you, yet you hear them now. Rather, you have heard of class hatred, political hatred, always hatred. Love is a strange word to you, but now the Church of Christ shows you a better way, the way of love. Up until this moment, you were a slave of your instincts. Your body was a simple instrument through which your instincts expressed themselves. But now you hear the words of Jesus through his apostle pleading with you. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? You have been told that you descend from the apes, that you are a beast which must be trained. But now you discover an astonishing thing, that you are the temple of God, and in you dwells the Spirit of God. You are being called, young friend, back to your dignity as a metaphysical being. You are raised up from the low place in which false education has sunk you to the sacred office of being the temple in which God dwells. We call you to purity. If you have not forgotten the meaning of the word innocence, if there is still an area within you of undefiled childhood, you will not resist this call. Come to the Church of Christ to learn what innocence and purity are, what meekness is, and what love is. You will find your place in life and the purpose of your existence. To your astonishment, you will discover that our life does not end in death, but in resurrection. That our existence centers on Christ, and that this world is not a mere empty moment in which nothing prevails. You will receive hope, and this hope will make you strong. You will receive faith, and this faith will save you. You will receive love, and this love will make you good. This, my young friend, is the first word which Jesus addresses to you in the midst of the turmoil of this world, through the thicket of your passions, with which one no one has taught you to fight, and out of the transparent dreams of innocence which still haunt you from time to time. Jesus is seeking you. Jesus has found you. Second Homily Let Us Build Churches March 15th 1978. Do you remember, young friend, how I told you last time that a new voice is calling and that this is the voice of Jesus? But to where and to what does he call you? What alluring promise to assuage your thirst for knowledge and truth does the Savior make? The voice of Jesus calls you to his church. You live within a family, within a society, within a world. You are bound to your family by the unbreakable bond of blood which you cannot deny and which seeks vengeance if you ever betray it through your suffering. You live in the midst of your nation, which you feel to be one metaphysical entity, not a group of isolated individuals, but one immense and united soul in which you are the whole and in which the whole lives through you. And finally, you exist in a world of suffering and joys, to which you respond because something in you unites and binds you inextricably to all your fellow human beings. Where, then, is the Church of Christ to which you are called? She is everywhere. She holds within her all human life, and more, 
She contains all heavenly beings, too. For the church knows no history. Her history is the spiritual present. Family and society bear within them the tragic fate of their own limitations within the boundary of history. History is, by definition, the chronology of unhappiness, yet the road to salvation. But you, my young friend, are called to the Church of Christ, which was conceived in God's eternity and which bears within her perfection, just as the world bears within it its own limited nature. Society considers you simply a component part, one brick lined up alongside other bricks. Your freedom in it is to function as a brick, fixed for all time. This freedom is the freedom of constraint, and in this lies your tragedy. For your true freedom lies within you, but you know neither how to discover it in its true meaning, nor how to use it when at last you have found it. You have been told that you are not free, that freedom is the understanding of necessity, and that necessity is imposed upon you from the outside by factors entirely exterior to yourself, as in a lifeless construction. The Church of Christ is alive and free. In her we move and live through Christ, who is her head, and have full freedom, because we learn the truth, and the truth makes us free. You are in Christ's church whenever you uplift someone bent down in sorrow, when you help someone elderly walk more easily, or when you give alms to the poor and visit the sick. You are in Christ's church when you cry out, Lord, help me. You are in Christ's church when you are patient and good, when you refuse to get angry with your brother, even if he has wounded your feelings. You are in Christ's church when you pray, Lord, forgive him. When you work honestly at your job, returning home weary in the evenings, but with a smile upon your lips, bringing with you a warm and kind light. When you repay evil with love, you are in Christ's church. Do you not see, therefore, my young friend, how close the church of Christ is? You are Peter, and God is building his church upon you. You are the rock of his church against which no one and nothing can prevail, because you are a liberated rock, a soul that is fulfilled within his church, and not one condemned to stagnation. Let us build churches, my friend. Let us build churches from the depths of our heart ablaze with the light of the Son of Righteousness, who is Christ himself, who has told us that by faith we are free from sin. Let us build the churches of our faith which no human power can pull down, because the ultimate power of the church is Christ himself. Feel for your brother at your side, ever present, and never ask, Who is this man? Rather say, He is no stranger. He is my brother. He is the church of Christ, just as I am. Look back, my friend, and be filled with awe. Look forward and rejoice. History is a series of set events out of which arises from time to time living witnesses of princely faith, now embodied in our churches and monasteries. Treasures of the Romanian Christian soul, they present the spirit which gives life to our national tradition. All which falls outside this spirituality is destined to perish. Mountains have been leveled, forests have burned, people have died, but churches have remained alive and monasteries continue offering the incense of continuous prayer to heaven. If we destroy the churches which express the national identity, we cannot affirm the continuity of a Romanian spirituality nor can we maintain that we have preserved unaltered the tradition and soul of Romania. 
There are no references to Romanian princes destroying the foundations of churches or of Michael the Brave ordering the disappearance overnight of an Enya church. Footnote, the Enya church is a church in Bucharest destroyed by the Romanian communist government. There is no wine cellar or Dunaria tavern, old or new, to equal a single stone from the foundation of the Enya church. Footnote, the Dunaria tavern was built on the site of the destroyed Enya church. Dunaria is the Romanian name for the Danube River. Nor can any scientific atheism or scientific argument stop you, dear friend, from inquiring about the meaning of life and about God and salvation. This search is the proof of your freedom in the face of any constraint and in the face of matter itself. It is your road to the church, the gate through which you will enter. Do not waver on the doorstep, friend. Come in. How many years will you stand in the shadows of the church without knowing her? How many years will you hear the voice of Jesus saying to you, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. The world will cast you aside. It oppresses and alienates you. Jesus receives you, comforts you, and returns you to yourself. Come and build churches with us. Let us reconstruct in our own souls an Enya church, princely, Christ-centered, alive, and immortal, until we actually see her raised up again on her sight, a steadfast witness to our Christian faith and to our national identity. Without churches or monasteries, we are aliens. Whoever destroys churches destroys the very substance of our material and spiritual endurance on this land given to us by God. Young man, you are no longer alone. You are in the church of Christ. Through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, O Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us. Amen.